Providing quality healthcare means identifying the right patients down to the individual across an entire population. It's identifying their risk factors to implement mitigations and preventions before health issues arise. It's about providing the right care at the right place at the right time. And providing this individualised care at a global scale calls for the need to crunch a bunch of data. Well, my guest today is Stephen Stoyan from Orion Health, an organisation that's been helping health institutions across the world provide personalised care on a global scale for a long time. But as we'll find out, the journey's just begun. In this episode, we're going to talk about the evolution of Orion Health in Australia, the social determinants of health, and we'll start to unpack the age-old question, what do we do with all this data? Let's make it happen, Team Health Tech. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Burge, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Stephen Stoyan. He's the Director of Digital Health at Orion Health. He spent the last 20 years in a mix of technology roles with a strong focus on customer success and developing key strategic partnerships at a global scale. With Orion Health in Australia, Stephen's helping customers like state and federal governments, private hospitals, aged care facilities and health insurance companies with the challenges like reducing clinical risk, providing population health insights and connecting and sharing care records across the country. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, Pete. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, good to have you here, man. Thanks for making the time. Looking forward to exploring it all and learning a bit more about you and Orion and everything that's going on because there's some pretty exciting things. So that's great. Look, firstly, let's get to know you a little bit more, Stephen. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Thanks for the introduction. You sort of captured the corporate history of myself being in the industry for 20 years, been in healthcare now for about five or six years and from a vendor's point of view. But I've really shaped my role and my career and the value that I bring is really around customer centricity and really trying to make sure that we maximise the organisations that I work with, that they get the best benefit from us. So it was quite interesting when I started at Orion Health, I actually had to take a couple of weeks carer's leave because my wife was admitted into hospital and we thought she had postnatal depression. And with our second child, it transpired that it wasn't that at all. It was more that she had some challenges around sensory needs and a few other bits and pieces. And after a gruelling two-year journey, we finally recognised and she's been assessed that she's on the autism spectrum and she also has ADHD. Now, the reason for this journey was initially started on the back of our seven-year-old and her behaviour when she was like three or four. We thought this was quite unusual. And we saw so many gaps in the systems, meeting with different people and different providers and different specialists. And I think it was like the fourth or fifth specialist that we saw that actually suggested that maybe our little summer is on the spectrum. So as you can experience working for an organisation like Orion Health and you're providing these insightful solutions that are packed full of data, it's how can you get that information out to the right people at the right time, as you say, and really improve the quality of life for people. And I think as we get more comfortable talking about mental health, more comfortable talking about autism and ADHD and those other individual traits, it's becoming quite a educational experience, I think, and it's also going to change people in the community and their attitude towards those people with those types of challenges. 
working for Orion Health, I'm quite passionate about driving change, passionate about connecting data with people and maximising that user experience to ensure that every person gets the right care flow in the right place at the right time. What a fascinating journey. Thank you so much for sharing that insight into your background and family as well. It certainly does create a lot of relevance there and speaks to what we're talking about today. Look, Tell us a little bit more for those that don't know about Orion Health. What is it? Who's it for and what problems it solve? Orion Health is a global award-winning health tech provider that supports the delivery of optimised digital healthcare at a jurisdictional level. But here in Australia, we've had this sort of identity crisis where we've been renowned for doing something a little bit different, which is focusing on interoperability with our Rhapsody product, which has since been sold off of the business. And also, we've been earmarked as an EMR provider competing with the likes of Cerner and Allscripts, which is definitely not the case. And when I was hired to join the business two years ago, I was told to shake things up and do a 360-degree review of the business. And I'm excited to say that we've completed that now. And it's taken me two years, but we're in an exciting phase and we're going to make some big announcements very soon. The problems that we try to solve is looking at how we take all that data and provide value back to the different consumers of that information. So again, being a consumer or a patient, being the clinician and trying to make some educated decisions on what to do. And then also at an organisational level around reporting and getting insights to improve efficiencies, to improve decision-making and those sorts of things. And there's just so much data out there today. A lot of it's still on paper, but it's a big problem to solve and quite a challenging one. Mm. I'm interested in that kind of journey and that evolution for Orion Health. Been around for a long time and people know it for like you say, the EMR side of things or the interoperability bits and pieces, but now evolving into what it is today. What's that journey been like through the last two years of doing that discovery and and why are you now coming out the other side with the position that you're in? We've been renowned for our integrated clinical information sharing, probably more so out of Australia. And we've had some bespoke solutions here or point digital solutions that I call them for a long time. So we provide a cancer screening digital care record, which predominantly focuses on breast screening at the moment. And that's currently being used by Cancer Institute New South Wales, also ACT Health and Tasmania. We have a digital care record for Justice Health and Forensic Mental Health Network in Sydney as well. And they're quite unique in the sense that they're not a a hospital provider per se, like a local health district. They actually provide in-hospital support. They've got a couple of hospitals, but it's more community-based and also looking at the different correctional service centres and police stations and the like. So, for instance, if you have a pretty good night and you get taken in for, say, drunk and disorderly and you've got a headache and you need to get prescribed some or given some Panadol, they need to be able to track that. So we're currently in the process of building a system with them at the moment, which will allow them to digitalise that and make sure that there's no clinical risk associated with medical dispension. The sharing of data has historically been focused on the clinicians at a hospital level and looking at different systems that sit outside the EMR that might connect into that. And for a long time now, it's all been, say, that jurisdictional-led or jurisdictional focus around looking at federal and state departments and how we can work with them. And what we're seeing now is that there's a big shift around the consumer and looking at the consumer experience and building things like healthcare navigation systems or digital front doors. And that's a very exciting place for us. And we've just pivoted in our business in the sense of moving, not necessarily losing focus on the clinician, but also looking at how we can empower the consumer to own their care record and have more influence in what it is that they do and how they go on their care journey. 
And we talked a bit about it before too, prior to the recording around connecting what you guys are doing with the social determinants of health and all around preventative health and optimized health and speaking to the consumer a little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about that connection between the social determinants of health and how they're shaping what you're doing at Orion. It's important to understand what the social determinants are. And I think as we go from our journey from childhood to adulthood, there's quite a lot of things that happen along the way and things that impact us, things like tobacco use, alcohol use, unhealthy diets, and also lack of physical activity. And they really shape or increase our risk of potentially needing the services of a healthcare system as we get older. So what we're seeing is by looking at social determinants of health at a population health level, whether it's state-based, country-based, will allow us to start predicting some of these outcomes. And hopefully, if we have the systems that can connect the health system to the consumer, then we can start identifying who at a patient level or a pre-patient at a consumer level, who are the people that are going to need the help the most and how can we start working with them in a preventative manner to ensure that they don't need to go into hospital and get back care. So things like diabetes and lung cancer, for instance, that is all attributed to these social determinants are, are really things that could have been addressed prior to needing that expensive care that happens in hospital. It's always more helpful to put it in context of a particular human too. And I guess that's a little bit of the theme of this conversation too. Do you have any examples or stories that you can share about how data has been used to make a big impact on someone's life? Yeah, we do. We've got plenty of stories. And the one that comes to mind was a patient in the UK. And in the UK, we've been a long-term partner of the healthcare system that provided what we call an integrated digital care record. And that basically allows them to connect everything from acute care to GPs to allied health, specialist services, pathology, radiology, all sorts of information, and basically create that one central care record for the patient. And in this particular instance, it was a mental health patient that had repeat episodes of presenting themselves at the emergency department. And the majority, well, in fact, all the times that they went there, it wasn't because they were physically sick, but potentially they were thinking that they were sick and they needed to get addressed. And obviously the cost per patient within an ED department is quite expensive. And on this particular instance, they presented with chest pain and they were suggesting that potentially they thought that they were having a heart attack. And the patient had presented previously with those symptoms before. They do the triage and admit them and do the scans on the heart rate and everything else, and then they get discharged. But in this particular instance, the, the GP or the clinician that was looking after them actually jumped into their integrated digital care record and noted that there was some commentary from the GP practice that talked about how they'd been presented at the GP practice a few days earlier with similar chest pains. If it wasn't for that information, they wouldn't have accelerated the treatment plan for this mental health patient and being able to resolve what potentially could have been a heart attack. Those are really interesting stories. And I love hearing how the data and the human can come together and create a better result for a patient. I'm always interested too in how much the data plays a role and how much the clinician plays a role. So totally off script here and just interested in your perspective. How important is the data that's put into these systems in creating these outcomes for patients and how much relies on the clinician? Is it if systems aren't used correctly in the first place and then no data is captured, then it results in really poor patient outcomes? Or is it 
more so in that particular example, if it was the clinician wasn't paying attention or thinking to look into the data, then it doesn't matter how good the data was, the patient's not going to take impact. So I guess to be more specific, how important is that whole interrelation between the data that's captured and then the clinician that's providing the healthcare to the patient? Yeah, great question. It's such a good point that you raise because you could have the best data in the world, but not have the clinicians trained up in how to access that information. And what we're seeing here in Australia and globally is that the adoption of the technology and the adoption of the ability to make meaning out of what that data is, is critically important. It's one thing just to serve up the information as it stands today and produce notifications out to the clinicians. But if it's not served up to them in a meaningful way, then it loses its relevance. And in some reading I was doing in prep for this, I understand that on average clinicians waste about 66 minutes a day in reading these notifications and reading data and trying to interpret data. So that's 66 minutes away they could be caring for a patient. And when you amplify that out by the number of clinicians in Sydney, Melbourne, New South Wales, wherever they are, or in the US or other big markets, then that's a lot of time that is wasted cost. It's a waste of opportunity to help someone. Getting that data to them in a meaningful way is critically important. No, I totally agree with you. And building on that then, at the Winter Summit coming up, at the Talking Health Tech Winter Summit on the 24th of June, you'll be speaking on a panel session with a few other people on one of the main talks of the day, which is titled, What to Do with All This Data? And that's going to be a really interesting one. I'm curious from your side, what you're expecting to hear out of and also talk about in this particular session. In my own terminology, I like to think that there's dumb data and smart data right? So back to that previous point around what do we do with the data if it's not presented in a meaningful way? Well, that's really dumb data and it's not going to help us. It's not going to help us make decisions. It's not going to make an impact at an individual level or at a population level. So it's how can we take all this data from all these different touch points and make it smart and empower the consumers, the clinicians and the operators of the organisations to make the best decision for us as an individual and for the operations across the state. We're seeing a lot of investment in digital transformation now because of COVID and how things like tracking patients and seeing those that are at risk of COVID or potentially have been in the same premise as a person that had it previously. So without knowing that information, and we've had a few false starts here in Australia around getting this right, it's again back to how do we get that smart? How do we get to make really cool decisions and how do we ensure that the clinicians have the right information at the right time to make the right decision? Yeah, they're all the right questions. Yeah, but if we flip that around, so that's sort of like from the clinician and the hospital level or the GP practice or wherever they're providing that level of service. But as a consumer, if I was recently diagnosed with cancer and after you get over the shell shock of that and you talk to the family, what do you reckon the first thing you would do? Being diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. The first thing you would do. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of research. I don't know. I'd still be in that shock phase and then probably find other people and try and find a support network maybe. That's exactly right. So what I would do is start conducting my own research and understanding what the different types of treatments are available. Where has this worked before? Is there any um, pervasive type measures? Looking at things like diet and high alkaline diets and those sorts of things. What a lot of people do, even if it wasn't cancer, say it was like a knee reconstruction or you broke your arm or something, you just jump on Dr. Google and start asking a bunch of questions there. And also going to organisations or websites like Patients Like Me, and trying to share your experience and learn from others, right? So crowdsourcing this information. 
Now, the problem with that is that this data and this information is unauthorized and you could potentially be reading the wrong information because it's not attributed to you. So what we want to do is take this data and empower authoritative figures like state government to be able to provide this to them through a digital front door so that they know that the facts or the information they're getting is highly accurate. So that's what I'm hoping to see from the data. Yeah, that topic in particular, I find really interesting too, because there's this blend and this combination I think is required when you talk about support networks for patients and finding reliable information. It's finding that balance between having information that comes from an authority that's verified, but then as an individual, there's this element of trust that you get from having feedback direct from other patients and community that doesn't come from an authority or doesn't come from anything like that. So it's always interesting how those two bits of information, those two resources, and there's multiple sources of information that someone going through something like that would encounter. So it's finding a way to build that trust and credibility when coming from an element of authority, because that's all really important, especially when it comes to health, but then how that ties in with patients and their own journey as well. So that's a really interesting point. And then another big gap, which I've experienced myself with my own wife and child is there's all that information out there, but as a carer, that circle of care isn't really well digitalized. So what I mean by that is for summer at the moment, we see psychologists, we see paediatrician, we see occupational therapists, we see physiologists, and there's no tools in place that allow us to have one central portal that can plug those clinicians together and share information to get the best outcome. We go see the psychologist and she's like, oh, how's OT going? And then we just have to keep repeating that information. And it's really frustrating, time consuming, and it's costly. NDIS is funding some of it, but some of it comes out of pocket. So there are smarter ways to do it. And I'm very passionate about trying to improve that whole circle of care, even to the point that looking at aged care and some of the challenges that they're facing today, if your parents are in that facility or your relatives are, you definitely want to be able to tap into some data repository to see how they're going so that you don't physically have to pick up the phone and check in every time you want to get an update. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait to keep that conversation going at the Winter Summit on the 24th of June. People can check out talkinghealthtech.com slash summit for more information about that. But just back to Orion then and start to close things out, Stephen, what will you guys be focusing on over the next six to 12 months? What can we look forward to seeing? It's it's interesting. How do you predict what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months? And if you had asked me this question 18 months ago, no one could have predicted COVID, right? So we need to be ensure that whilst we have a core focus of objectives or value that we want to bring to market, we have to make sure that we've also investing in areas that don't necessarily have that addressable need right now. And that's where our research and development team come in. And they're looking at things that potentially could happen in the near future and building solutions out for that. But for us here in Australia, the two or three key areas for us are around the data. It's around how do we help the clinicians? How do we help state government and federal government and things like the Australian Digital Health Agency do a better job of things like my health record and passing information to one another? But then also a huge investment in the consumer experience and that circle of care and making sure that we have the right information at the right time. And then the last thing to do is we've looked at like health information exchanges and those things that Orion does well. It's funny, they call HIE in the US, but in the UK, they call it an integrated digital care record. And instead of reinventing the wheel here in Australia, what we're going to do is take their 
successful framework, their standard security measures and building blocks and bring that to the Australian market so that we have a almost a bulletproof solution to deploy rather than trying to tackle this state by state data by data. And this should speed things up, reduce the risk of project overrun and give a guaranteed outcome. So we're really excited about bringing that to the Australian market. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing more of that come out and people can check out the information in the show notes of this episode on our website. Uh, if you go to talknilfter.com slash Orion Health, uh, there's the listing for Orion there and also links to other resources available too. So Stephen, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation today. Look forward to speaking with you more at the Winter Summit coming up in a few weeks and good luck with everything moving forward. No worries. Thanks for having us, Pete. It's been an insightful conversation and I do look forward to the Winter Summit. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.